Praise the Lord, everybody. Um, well, Brother Bradford told me to do what I feel. And as much as I don't want to, I am going to preach. Um, but I will do my best to be quick. Um, I do want to thank God for his mercy, his kindness, his grace on my life. I do not know, I don't want to know where I would be uh, without his hand. Um, I want to thank your pastor, his family, uh, for being so kind to me. Um, I've had a very good time this week. And I love Brother Peyton. Um, he is a very close friend to me, and I'm so excited about what God is doing in his life. Um, I've just had a really good time uh, this week. Once again, I want to thank the, the youth group, the young people of this church. Um, I've had a good time with you all, getting to know some of you a little better. Um, I'm not going to sing. I will spare the church from that tonight. Uh, but God has been dealing with me for a couple of days on this, or about this service. Um, and that's the only reason I'm going to actually preach tonight. Uh, so let's stand for the reading of the word. Go to Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 1. It says, Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Psalms chapter 126, verses five and six, says they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. Actually, I'll just do through 42. Uh, and when he was come near, this is being Jesus, uh, he being Jesus, he beheld the city and wept over it. Everybody say he wept. He wept over it. Verse 42, saying, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. So verse 41 again says that when Jesus came and he looked at the city, and he thought about the destruction that was coming, and he thought about all the lives that would be lost. The Bible says that Jesus wept. One more verse, John chapter 11 and verse 35, the shortest verse that you find in your Bible, simply says this, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Um, there is an unfailing recipe for a move of God and a revival in our lives, in our cities, in our souls. And I believe it is something that is within our reach tonight. And I have been praying and I really am believing God for a move of God in this service tonight. I know we've already prayed. I know a lot of us have already gotten things from God, but, but I really do believe that there are still some things that God is wanting to change and God is wanting to fix in our lives. And if we're going to have the revival that God is wanting to give us in this city, there, there's going to have to be some things first in our lives and in our hearts that God, God is wanting to revive. I'm gonna be preaching for a few minutes on this subject. Where are the weepers? Where are the weepers? Let's lay our Bibles down. Let's lift our voices and lift our hands. I need you, Jesus. I need the Holy Ghost to speak through me tonight. God, we know your word is anointed. I pray that you would anoint me. I pray that you would anoint my lips and I pray that you would anoint the hearts and the ears of every person in this building tonight, in the name of Jesus. Clap your hands to the Lord as you're seated. Hallelujah. Weeping and crying 
and other forms of emotion similar to these. Uh, they are much more common in the Eastern world than they are in our Western world. In our Western culture and society, uh, weeping and crying is looked upon as a sign of weakness. We are trained that we should be tough and we are trained uh, to be strong and that men especially do not weep. Uh, don't break down in front of people and uh, we are taught that we need to suppress our feelings and hide our emotions and hide how we really feel about things on a regular basis. But this is not the way that it is in the Eastern world. There is a custom in the Eastern world where in the time of grief, uh, and this is something that was much more prevalent years ago, but they still do it today. Uh, in the time of grief, uh, weepers and mourners are hired to come and help express the grief and the sorrow that the family feels. Uh, and during this time, bottles are passed around, and they are uh, the purpose of them is to catch the tears of every person in that building that is crying. Uh, because there comes a time when it seems that you have cried your last tear, and you have really showed as much emotion as you possibly can. So that is why these mourners are hired to come in uh, and help display their grief. But that is certainly not the way that it is in America and in this part of the world. We are taught that strong people do not cry, but weak people cry. And funerals are laid out in a way uh, to where we try not to add any more emotion than would already be present. Uh, and we do things to try to make sure we add no more tears and no more grief than would already be be there and people uh, do not want to be emotional and they do not want to be broken in the presence of those that are around them and people many times try to put up a facade and a lot of times I've experienced this in my own life we can be smiling on the outside but deep down inside in our soul we are weeping and we are mourning uh, because of this people often deal with grief on their own it's often when the funeral is over and the lights are cut out that the individual is forced to deal with the sorrow and the pain and the loneliness that follows all by themselves. So we are taught if you need to cry, just do it in private. Uh, suppress your emotions. Hide your feelings. Hide how you really feel about things. And this has convinced us that even if we're crying inside, we should uh, put a smile on our face and act like everything in our world is okay. And even when we are broken inside, uh, if somebody asked how we're doing, we would not dare tell them how we are really doing. Uh, but we would simply smile and say, hey, everything is going good in my life. So uh, we are trained to live our whole lives this way but the Bible says that Jesus Christ who we know was God manifest in the flesh this was the God of the Old Testament who came in the New Testament the Bible says that he was a man of tears the Bible says that Jesus was acquainted with grief. He knew what sorrow was. Uh, uh, he knew what, what uh, being betrayed by his brethren was. And he lived with a burden and he lived with heaviness. Jesus was the type of individual who would not apologize if he broke down in front of people. Uh, we see several times recorded in the Bible where he would weep in front of people. Uh, in the book of Luke, we see that he cried when he looked at the masses of people and he thought about the destruction that was coming. Uh, the Bible says that he wept in front of his disciples and he wept at the tomb of Lazarus in front of all the people that were present there. So Jesus was not a man that was afraid to weep. He was a man that was moved with compassion. 
And he was a man who cared about souls and had a love for souls. And when we think of what it takes to be like Jesus, a lot of us think about things like loving our enemies, uh, being kind, being loving, doing good to those that despitefully use us. But something that probably very few of us would say uh, is, is we've got to be able to weep. We've got to be able to have a burden and live under a burden for the loss that are around us. Because I have seen it in my own life where there really is something that happens when we allow ourselves to be broken before God and we realize that we really do have a need of God and there's something that happens when we tear down all the walls that we have put up around our life and when we forget about everybody that's around us and we say God I can't fix this situation by myself and I can't handle this but I need a move of the Holy Ghost to work in my life and there is something that happens when we tear down the facade and all the walls that we have built around our life and we say God I need you to work on me and God I I need a word from the Holy Ghost to do something and to break some things and to fix some things in my life. But we see a very different request than we would typically see in our society where we are taught to hide our emotions and hide how we really feel about things. Because Jeremiah said, my desire is that my head were waters and my desire is that mine eyes were a fountain of tears. See, Jeremiah was not concerned about what other people thought about him. He was not concerned that people would label him uh, the weeping prophet. And the reason for this was because Jeremiah knew and understand that there was power in tears. See, weeping is what waters the soul. Weeping waters the soul. And I want to ask you tonight, how long has it been since your soul was truly watered? And how long has it been since you've allowed those, those hot, salty tears to run down your face? And, and I'm not just talking about an emotional high, but I'm talking about when we are truly broken before God and we truly realize that we have a need of God. Because David said, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again, bringing his sheaves with him. And Jeremiah said, My desire is that my head were waters and that mine eyes were we're a fountain of tears. You see, there are people in our day and age that think we can have a heaven-sent revival and that we can see souls won all without the presence of water. And there are those who think that we can have an increase and that the church can grow and that we can do everything that God is wanting to do in this age uh, with silent prayer rooms and with eyes that are dry and with hearts that have become callous and have not been broken before God in a long time. And there's people who are trying to have a harvest all without water and without tears if you know anything about farming or agriculture you would agree with me uh, that you can have the best seed you can have the best soil you can have uh, uh, the right amount of sunlight the right temperature everything can be right but if you do not have water that seed will not grow it is impossible for that seed to germinate and to grow without the presence of water. And I personally believe that this is what David was talking about when he said, He that goeth forth and weepeth, uh, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And I believe the record will also bear that he that goeth forth bearing precious seed, but dry-eyed and with no burden and with no concern for the lost, shall doubtless come again empty-handed. And when I think of what all that God has 
has promised us and and I think about the revival that God has promised us and I think about the harvest that God has promised us and I do want to remind you God has promised us a harvest and God has promised us a revival and I believe the stage is being set for it but when I think about what I have seen in my own life and I think about the lack of results that I personally have experienced and, and all the people that have not gotten the Holy Ghost there is a fear that comes over me when I think of standing before God with no more sheaves in my hand than I already have and when I think of standing before God with the works that I have already done and not nearly as many Bible studies taught as I want to teach there is a fear that comes over me and when I think of standing before God and and all the people that I have not witnessed to and and all the doors that I have not knocked and all the broken people that I have not ministered to and all the times that I have not stepped out of my way and I have not gone out of my way to minister to people there is a fear that comes upon me because when I get in the word of God and I read about the harvest I read an abundant harvest and when I read about the gospel I read about a powerful gospel and when I read about the church I read about a powerful overcoming church and when I read about revival I read about a net breaking boat sinking revival I want you to know that there is nothing weak about the church that we are a part of the church is powerful the church is the thing that's going to get you out of this world and I don't care if we've heard it I want you to know we still believe that the man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven and we still believe he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned we still believe here O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord and we still believe in holiness and we still believe in separation from the, the world and we still believe in living right and we still believe in doing right we know the message saves we know this message still works and we've seen it but but still it can be so easy to become complacent and to become indifferent with things in our life jeremiah said oh that my head were waters oh that my eyes were a fountain of tears i believe that we're not ready to have the revival that god is wanting to give us until it comes to the point where it is a matter of night and day until it comes to the point where prayer is something that possesses us and we let tears run down our face and and prayer drives us and prayer controls us and and we forget what others have to say about us and i've seen more people it seems walk out on god in the last six months than just about any other time in my life and we're so consumed with goals and and with different ambitions and different things that we want to accomplish to where prayer is something that has been put on the back burner and prayer is not a priority and the things of God are not a priority and I want you to know it's still true that people who do not pray will not stay because prayer still saves and prayer still delivers and prayer still sets free and I want you to know that there is there is power when you weep before God I'm a young man but I've been in church uh, my whole life. I've been around church my whole life. And it seems many times we can get people to teach Bible studies. Uh, we can get people to join the choir. We can get people to, to do a lot of things in church. But, but something that it seems very hard to do is to get people that are willing to get under the burden and get under the load and, and, and really want to have revival and, and not care what everybody around them has to say. And, and I believe something needs to get a hold of us that, that possesses us. And there's something that, that needs to drive us and needs to break us. Oh, that my head were waters. Oh, that mine eyes were a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. I don't believe, 
I know we don't have an understanding of just how many people are around us and how many people are not ready to meet God. It really ought to do something to us when we get in a plane or, or even if we're just driving throughout the city and we see so many people. We look at the sea of people that are around us. It ought to do something to us. It ought to stir something in us because I do believe that there is nothing wrong with the doctrine that we preach. There's nothing wrong with it. The doctrine still does work and there's nothing wrong with the word of God and there is nothing wrong with the Holy Ghost and we know we have the truth and there is nothing wrong with the truth but it can become so easy to become complacent. It can be so easy to become indifferent to the things that are going on and, and we can sit for months at times and and never really be stirred and never really be broken before God and never really have God do anything, anything in our life. And the Bible says where there is no vision, the people will perish. And, and where there's no vision and where our eyes are not open, there's people who are dying and there's people who are going to hell and neighbors that are going to go to hell unless Pentecostal people can get a vision. And friends and family members who are going to go to hell unless Pentecostal people can get a vision. And our neighbors and people at school and people on the job that they will go to hell unless somebody can wake up and get a vision for them. Uh, we can sit in a classroom full of people and, and we have friends in the class and this is something that God has convicted me about in recent months, but we can go to school and we've got friends there, people we see on a weekly basis or, or we can have a job and we see these people uh, every day of the week just about and and they don't know that we've got the answer to everything that they need. They're dealing with depression and there's people dealing uh, with all types of unimaginable problems. Unimaginable prob we sit there and we've got the answer. We know what they need. We know what the answer is, but we sit there and don't open up our mouths. I want you to know that something needs to happen to us. We need to wake up and we need to realize we may be the only one God believers who have the truth that these people may ever really come into contact with. And the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. And we sit comfortably on these padded pews and, and we enjoy the blessings of God. And there is an abundance of the presence of God in this place. Place, but all around us in this city, in the city of Bakersfield, there are people that are struggling and there are people that need the answer and there's people dealing with addiction and marital problems and people that are hopeless and there's people that don't know that there's an experience with God that can take the cigarette out of their mouth and there's an experience with God that can take the bottle out of their hand. Come on, can anybody testify of that? There's an experience with God that can fix any situation in their life. There's an experience with God that that can deliver them from addiction, that can deliver them from drugs. And we sit by and we just don't say anything. I don't want to become comfortable in my life. You may be seated. To be able to sit here and, and we understand, we have all these revelations in the word of God. We understand that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. And we understand that there's one God. and We understand the, the importance and the essentiality of repentance and Baptism in the name of Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And we understand that this is the church that's going to make it to the other side. But I do believe we've got something to preach about. Amen. We've got something to sing about. We've got something to rejoice about and to praise God for. But, but there is a responsibility that we have. And, and there's a, there is a debt that we owe because unto whom much is given, much is required. Jesus told us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
We don't need to just be looking for a comfortable church where we can come in and cross our arms and just wait for God to do something for us and never ask God, hey, is there, what, what can I do for you? Is there anything I can do? And I don't know about you, but I want something to happen to me. And I want somebody to preach to me. And if I'm doing wrong, I want somebody to call me out and, and to have an actual concern for me. And I want to feel the need to repent. And, and I want to feel the need to get it right with God. And I don't want to be comfortable while there's so many people in this city who are lost. And there's so many people in this city who need the message that Jesus Christ still saved you from sin and there is an experience with God that will fix every situation in their life because if we don't pray for backsliders I want you to know nobody will if we don't get a burden for the lost nobody will if, if we don't intercede for all the people that are around us and all the people that are going to hell I don't believe that anybody will and and we can sit here so many times and hey I, I'm saved and my family saved and I'm happy and thank God for it that's awesome but I want you to know there's still so many people to reach and there's still so many people who do not know the message that Jesus Christ saves do we care do we have a burden that there's so many in this city and there's so many in the world. Are we just comfortable with where we are? Are we just satisfied with where we are? I do believe God is wanting to give us a burden in our lives. And God is wanting to wake some people up tonight. Let me get some help on the music. I'm hurrying. It's a story I heard several years ago. I want to share with y'all. Uh, there was a Pentecostal preacher. He was a pastor. And he fell into sin. And he walked out on God. And he backslid. Uh, but thank God his wife stayed in the church, and they had a son, and he grew up, and he felt the call of God, and he began to evangelize and preach all over the country. And this was the days before cell phones, and uh, when they would have a revival in the local church, the mother would sit down, and she would write a letter to her son, and she would say, pray for your daddy. He's getting worse, and, and he's smoking again, and he's cussing, and he's doing all these things that, that he used to would have never done, and he's getting further from God, and, and he doesn't pray, he doesn't seek the face of God, but he's just, he's getting hard, and he's getting bitter, and, and all these things are happening. He would say, pray, she would say, pray for your daddy, pray that this would be the revival, that he would get it all right with God. Revival came, and revival went for years and years, and, and the dad would not pray through, but the dad promised the son promised the mother that uh, if the son ever came through and preached a revival in that local church, that he would come out and hear his son preach. So the time finally came, and the son was invited to come preach a revival in his local church, and the father came out like he had said, and the son gets up and he reads his text, and as he's praying that God would anoint his sermon, he looks up and he sees his dad walking out the back door. And unfortunately, the revival that was designed to save the father came and went, and the dad still did not pray through but the mother did not give up and she kept praying and she kept believing that God would reach her husband so she kept writing letters and revivals kept coming and revivals kept going and she kept writing and say pray for your daddy pray that this would be the one that he would find God pray that this would be the one that that he would pray through and finally an evangelist came through and he began preaching he said hey if we want sinners to pray through then we need to pray through 
If we want sinners to be touched, then, then we need to be touched. And if we want the hearts of sinners to be stirred, then we need to allow our hearts to be stirred. And he began to preach about renewal. And, and I don't know about you, but I personally still believe in renewal. And there are some people who do not believe in renewal, but I still believe that the Bible says that we're saved uh, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So I believe that renewal is important. And, and I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. And I want to make sure I'm right with God. But this evangelist was preaching and saying things like, man, it'd be so terrible to, to be lost on a Pentecostal pew and to hear the preaching of the word of God and to have this understanding and, and to still be lost and to still not have it right with God. And it'd be terrible to be with the, the other 10 virgins and, and it looks like you've got everything right and you're dressed right and you talk right and, and maybe you even believe the doctrine that there is one God, but to have all of that and to be empty on the inside and I do believe that one thing that's going to get us out of here is the power of the Holy Ghost. But this woman, this mother, she was in church and she had been around church. She had been a pastor's wife. She stayed in church. She stayed faithful to God. And uh, the preaching of the, the, the word of God began to convict her heart. Uh, she, this time she sat down and she wrote a letter to her son. And usually when she would say, hey, pray for your daddy, pray that he would get it right this time. She, she sat down and she wrote, she said, pray for your mama. She said, pray that I wouldn't be lost after all these years. And, and I realize that I need to be stirred. And, and I've been in the church my whole life, but I realize I've been complacent. And I have not had a concern with what is going on in my world. And, and I want you to know we are all fighting the flesh. And, and it is something that needs to be crucified on a daily basis. And we better not go too long without making sure we have been broken before God. Because your flesh is just as sorry and it's just as rotten and good for nothing as it has ever been and your flesh will still fight you and it doesn't matter how much Holy Ghost you've got you will still have to crucify the flesh every single day of your life and Paul said I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing but she said she wrote and said pray for your mama because I don't want to be lost and I don't want to go to hell after sitting on a pew all these years and and it got to the point where, where they really began to pray and, and she got under a burden and the people in that church got under a burden and, and they were praying like they had never prayed in their lives. And it did not have to be a scheduled thing. It was not just 30 minutes before church. Uh, uh, and, and I believe we're going to have to get past that. We're going to have to get where we're longing for prayer and, and we have an urge for prayer and it's something that lives on the inside of us. But, but she would just break out in tears and she'd have to run to the back room and she'd go pray. She'd lay on the floor and, and she'd cry and say oh God help me Jesus and renew me in the Holy Ghost and this hardness of my heart that, that I'm dealing with God help me Jesus and make me tender before you and I know I don't feel conviction like I should and I know I'm not as concerned as I should be and I don't know about y'all but I fight the flesh on a daily basis and, and I fight my, my, my heart getting hard before God but every once in a while we've got to allow ourselves to be broken before the Lord but she kept breaking down and crying. This happened on a consistent basis. And her husband would hear her in the back praying and, and crying before God and saying, God, renew me in the Holy Ghost and, and break something in me and do something in me and stir something in my heart. And this happened every day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And this was the times when, when they would have church every single night of the week. And Saturday rolls around and she's getting ready for church. And all of a sudden her husband steps out of the restroom and he's dressed in a suit and his hair's combed and she says well what are you doing where are you going and he said I'm going to church 
So they went to church, and for the first time in years, that backslidden Pentecostal preacher sat through the whole service. And, and Sunday morning rolls around, and, and once again, she's getting ready, and he steps out, and he's wearing his suit, and he's got his hair combed, and, and he looks nice. And she says, well, what are you doing? And he says, I'm going to church. And he said, this time, I, I'm going home, or I'm going to church a sinner, but I'm going to come home a saint. And, and I'm going empty, but I'm going to return full today. And they didn't even give an altar call before that Pentecostal preacher ran to the front, and he threw his hands in the air, and he began to be renewed in the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you say, hey, well, what was it? What changed? What, what happened? What caused this to happen? Was it because they announced another revival? No, I'm telling you, it was because a woman started watering the seed of God with her tears and she made up in her mind I'm going to weep and I'm going to cry and I'm going to get under a burden and I came to tell you we need to get this revelation that if we want people to pray through we need to pray through and this woman made up in her mind I'm going to let God touch me and then God will touch my husband come on now see we want sinners to pray through but we don't want to pray through and we want sinners to feel conviction but we don't want to feel conviction we want sinners not to be able to sleep at night, but, but so many times we want to be able to sleep at night. And, and I was just wondering tonight, you know, how long has it been since, since you couldn't sleep at night, but you had to get out of bed and spend the night praying before God because you had such a burden living on the inside of you. And how long has it been since you felt what you want sinners to feel? And how long has it been since you've really been broken before God? I'm telling you, revival is going to have to start in the church. It's going to start on an individual basis where we wake up and we have something happen in our life. And I believe tonight God is wanting to give us a revival of prayer and a revival of tears and a revival of brokenness and a revival of sacrifice and a revival of fresh burdens and, and God's wanting us to be right before we make sure we're dealing with sinners my mom and my dad they, they taught me how to weep before God and I'm telling you it's one of the greatest things they ever taught me and if you're a parent here I'm asking you please don't be too proud to weep in front of your children I remember times of being younger and, and struggling with stupid stuff and, and doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. And, and I'd hear my dad and I'd hear my mom and they'd be praying for me. I'd hear him weep for me. I'd hear my dad pray for me. God, touch my son. And God, he's not doing right. God, convict his heart. And, and God, do something to him. And I'm telling you, you don't know what that does to your children when you do that. And, and there are people in this city who are dependent upon our prayers. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Hallelujah. I said this the other night, but I have repented recently for not being the man that I know I should be at times. And I haven't been as sensitive to the Holy Ghost as I know that I should be. And, and I've become distracted and I, I've let my heart become so hard at times. And it's something that I fight, but I want God to stir me tonight. And I want God to break something in my heart tonight. And I want God to open up my eyes so I can see what's going on in the world. And I want God to give me a stronger burden than I've ever had in my life. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. I remember times of being at youth camp when I was younger. And hearing preaching about souls and God wanting to give a burden. I remember I got a burden, but I crawled under a pew and I began to weep and, and I began to sob and I began to cry. And, and before you know it, your heart is back to being hard. But I believe God 
will do that for us tonight. We just maybe have the will to lay under to lay on the ground or lay under a pew and, and wet that carpet with our tears and say, God, do something in me tonight and, and break something in me. Let's lift our hands all over the house. Listen to me, church, mama, daddy, young man, young woman, boy, girl. I got a question. God sent me tonight with a question in my spirit, and that is this. Where are the weepers? Do you still know how to sob before the Lord? Do you still know how to weep? And do you know what it is to lay before God with tears in your eyes and, and being broken before him? And do you still know what it is to be moved with compassion? And when you look at all the people and you think about all those who are not right with God, is there something? that burns on the inside of you is there something that breaks you and and brings you to your knees and i'm telling you tonight we need to come to this front and we need to weep for ourselves if you're not right with god you need to get right tonight if you do not have the holy ghost you do not need to leave until you are speaking in a language that you do not understand we need to weep for ourselves and we need to weep for our children and we need to weep for our backsliders and, and all those that are lost around us come on somebody pray we need to tear it out every wall of resistance every wall that says we have it all together say God God give me a burden God I want to be broken before you if you need something from God please come to this front there is power up here there's healing and there's peace of mind there's deliverance from everything that you're fighting come on somebody pray God make me sensitive to the Holy Ghost God break something in me and do something in me come on somebody lift your voice oh God, give me a burden, Jesus. Give me a burden, God. I want to be a weeper, God. I'll be a weeper, God. I'll be a prayer warrior, God. I'll get under the burden. I'll get under the load. I'll do what you want me to do. Come on, let's turn this place into a house of prayer. Let God do something tonight. Somebody pray, God, would you leave me? God, would you direct me? Would you put broken people before me? Hallelujah. Oh, 